What was that price that was paid for us? He bought us with his blood. He gave up life to take our life to give us his life. In other words, he, he poured out everything. He stepped down from heaven. The word that became flesh took on the form of man, mankind, Adam, Tony. And, 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 and he came and he was crucified. He drank a cup that we could not drink. And he took a punishment he did not deserve. And then the ransom was paid. Who was the ransom paid to? People have a misconception that the devil had everything under control and God had to pay the devil to release us. No, 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 no. He paid it with his blood. He shed his blood. He paid the payment that was required by us because of the law, because of our sin, because of the curse. And Jesus hung on a cross and paid the ultimate price to the Father that he could remove what was written against us. Can someone say amen right there? You are saved not because of your good deeds and how good you are and how many times you come to church. You're saved because of His grace, His unmerited favor, because He shed His blood. I went into a tomb for three days and the devil thought he'd won. But the Bible says if they had known, come on somebody, if they had known what the Lord of glory was going to do, they wouldn't have crucified Him because He, couldn't con he conquered death hell and the grave hey, come on come on somebody we don't live in a dead hope or a, a hope that something might happen we live in a living hope that christ has been risen from the grave amen hallelujah so we thank you for that father we thank you father that jesus blood the bible says we overcome satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. What are you testifying today? Are you testifying that you got issues? You got problems? Are you testifying that you can't break addictions? Are you testifying that you're sick? And No, no, your testimony should be that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus died and rose again. That devil you have no grounds over me, my family, and you can turn around and look him straight in the eye because the facts might be this, but the truth is Jesus already won. Amen. Come on. We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And you know what? My life is no longer mine. I'll give my life for that. Because a life without Jesus, a life without the Holy Spirit, a life without God the Father is not a life worth living. Come on, I'm telling you now. So we thank you today. We honor you, Lord. This is your meeting. We just get to participate in what you are doing. We thank you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap. You can be seated. Welcome. Awesome Mary and Mary, Eminem. The lolly is not the other guy. That was awesome. Mary Square. Mary Squared. It's like in the Bible, Mary and the other Mary. <laughs> welcome a bit of a change here i can see everybody wow so we finally got rid of the kids i mean no they're downstairs in another room relax or, or joking <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Welcome this Sunday. I know it's a beautiful day to be at the beach, but where else would you rather be? In the water of salt or in the water of the Holy Spirit? Come on. Yeah. So look, oh, you're sunburnt already, so you've already been there. Yeah, Holy Spirit. They've been there all day. Be blessed. I'm joking. Relax. Awesome. I'm just continuing on my theme from Wednesday. For those who weren't there, we've got a list. And um, I'm just kidding. But about allowing the Holy Spirit to complete the work in you. And I shared just a little bit that the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the most ignored part of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is the most abused part of the Trinity. And if the Holy Spirit was a human, he would have sued everyone for defamation by now. But thank God, God is bigger than us, amen? The Holy Spirit was sent. And I shared a little bit about, you know, in Genesis 1 where the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep waters. And today as I was driving, I had this funny picture like the Holy Spirit hovering over the deep waters and the earth was formless and void. Get that kid out of here. And let there be light. No, that's Elijah. He might rain down fire from heaven and burn us all up. But the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep. Let's say that's the world or that's the deep waters in Genesis. I had this, sometimes you get this funny idea that the Holy Spirit's like a dove and he's just... Quiet, Carolyn, please. Um, the Holy Spirit's hovering over the deep water like a little dove. And you know, that's sometimes we get that silly pictures because we know that when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, that the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove. And we got this idea that the Holy Spirit's a dove, but it was like a dove. It came down like a dove. But So this is the deep waters and the Holy Spirit just hovered over the deep like that. So, But in reality, it's the opposite. This is the world and this is the Holy Spirit. He, over, he, he overshadowed the world. See, God is not small, amen? God, heaven is his throne, and earth is his footstool. And when we understand big in the natural, we say, this guy's big, that guy's big, but in the spirit realm, it's totally different. You know, Christmas is coming, so I thought I'd better throw some Christmas story in. My wife goes, I'm going to preach something on Christmas. I said, yeah. And um, the Bible says that, and I, and I shared, sorry, on Wednesday, that we can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. And it's like we're trying to have a relationship with God without the Holy Spirit. God left us the word, yes. God left us the church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, which means the ones that are called out, the ones that are on the way. We've taught all this. But God without the Holy Spirit cannot manifest nothing on this earth. Jesus himself was the word that became flesh, was baptized in the Jordan, and then the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then we, we, we hear that he was taken up to be tempted by the devil. And then the first miracle when he came down, then we know that the ministry started. In Acts, it says that Jesus, anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit, went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. He didn't go about doing bad. And I shared that if you've got a sickness in your body and you say, well, God's given me this sickness to teach me something. No, he didn't because that's of the devil. Jesus came to broke the curse and to heal our diseases, not to put disease on you to teach you something. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you believe that doctrine, repent now. Because Jesus, the Bible says, he went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. I don't see anywhere in Scripture that Jesus put sickness on someone to teach them a lesson. If you can find it, I'll eat it. The Bible, the page. Now, we know that certain things that we do in our life can bring on sickness. Certain styles of life, we can bring on curses and that. We know that. But God doesn't do it to you. You do it to yourself. I had this great uh, analogy. How can a loving God send people to hell? 
Because he doesn't. We're already on our way to hell. He sent a solution to stop us from going there. But if we reject him, then we get what we want. And the Holy Spirit was manifested. He said, I'll leave you the Holy Spirit, the comforter. So the Holy Spirit is known as a comforter. He's, he's known as the helper. He's known as the spirit of the truth that guides you through all truth. He's known as the, um, the, 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 the spirit of Christ. I mean, go on and on. And I've said this before. The kingdom of God is manifesting on this earth. John the Baptist says, repent and receive the kingdom of God. A lot of people don't understand that concept that we all think that we come to know Christ and become Christians for our sake. And yes, it is for our sake, but for a bigger purpose. But we want, to, we want him just for us and we want him to heal all of us and we want us to know, why am I struggling? And we don't see the bigger picture of what God's doing. So the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, nothing can manifest on this earth. Even the Word that became flesh, Jesus. The Bible says that He was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things that were made through Him. There's nothing that was made. There was made. In Him was love, 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 of man, love, shone in the darkness. That was come. Yeah. That's the first book of John, yeah? So in the beginning was the Word. What was the beginning? We know that God spoke. Let there be light. That Word was the light. The Holy Spirit manifested. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. True? So the Holy Spirit is the one that brings everything to existence. But now Jesus needs to come on this earth. Now Jesus, God sends an angel to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a child and his name will be Emmanuel. God be with you. You're with me. She says, how can this be? I know no man. He goes, the Holy Spirit will come upon and overshadow you. Just like he overshadowed the earth when it was formless and void and brought it to life, here the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and now she was pregnant with Jesus. Even God the Father, who wanted Jesus the Son to come to this earth, couldn't get him on this earth any other way but through the Holy Spirit. Can someone say amen? So if the Holy Spirit is needed to bring the Word, the Creator of heaven and earth, on this earth, the Bible says in Colossians that the fullness of God dwelt in him. And he did not consider robbery to attain the, the likeness of God. In other words, it wasn't wrong for him to believe that the fullness of God dwelt in him. It wasn't wrong. It wasn't. But Christ lowered himself in the sense of he came down from heaven and gave up all his rights to become like a man, to be subject to his creation. That's a loving God. If I were. Any of us, he wouldn't do it. But as soon as you have power, you become a dictator. I said, when I get married, my kids are going to have everything. They're going to... God! Because it's in us. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she was impregnated with Emmanuel. God be with us. Amen. But it doesn't stop there because the God be with us. So he, hear me. God sends Jesus through Mary, becomes a man to take on that man, Adam, mankind. Adam just means from the, from the red earth, man. And he made man male and female. So women, you're men. No, no, sorry, I'm joking. God made man, mankind, male and female. And Jesus became that man and took on the Adam, the Adam race and crucified him on the cross so that every species after that dies so we can be born from above. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. God, Jesus did it. Holy Spirit manifested it. So now we have a great Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was there before creation. So if God has a perfect plan for your life, 
and he knows everything about you, why wouldn't you spend time with him? He's the architect of the sky, the Bible says. In, 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 in uh, Proverbs, it says he was the spirit of wisdom. In other words, the Holy Spirit is as co-equal with Christ as Christ is co-equal with God the Father, and God the Father is co-equal. They stand nose to nose, eyes to eyes, and cheek to cheek, but they have a, everyone has a role. No one goes before the other. The Holy Spirit's hovering over the deep waters. He is God. The third person of the Trinity is there's God the Father. Elohim, God the Son, the Word, and God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God hovering over the deep, did not want, if the Holy Spirit is as co-equal with God, do you think the Holy Spirit knew that there had to be light? Do you think that there had to be light? I believe he did. It's just co-equal. They don't do nothing outside there. But he didn't move until the Word was given. Nothing changed today, guys. God might have the perfect plan for your life, but if you don't start speaking, you don't start coming into a place of repentance, come into his world and be lined up by his spirit, you won't get to your destiny. And I don't care how much hallelujahs you say. I love people saying to me all the time, God's got a plan for my life. So have you searched it out yet? God has got a plan for your life. And the Holy Spirit is God in, in spirit form. Jesus was a man on this earth. He couldn't be with everyone at every time like he wanted to. He says, it's beneficial that I go, that I send you the comforter. Now, the Holy Spirit's job is to do two things on earth. Deal with you and deal with the world. He comes to bring the kingdom of God within you and to manifest the kingdom of God to show the glory to Jesus. And I shared on Wednesday, there's three things you really need. There's so many other things, but three is obedience, trust. And what was the third one? Hey? Fellowship. Obey him, trust him, and fellowship with him. There's so many other things, but if you don't obey him, if the word, and I often say this, if you don't obey the word, you're not going to obey the, the rhema word. You hear, I've got a word from the Holy Spirit. What's the line up with the word? Oh, I don't know the word. Well, then how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? If anything that's given to you is not in the Bible, throw it out. Now, what I mean by that, I mean, if it doesn't line up with the nature and the character of God, see, but if you get the word, the Logos, living word in you, God will speak to you with a rhema word. But he speaks to you about you to get you on that line, that train track where he's going, not where you want to go. Are you with me? So I think it's enough recap. You know, um, nothing happens on this earth without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. And I said... Two spirit, sorry, whatever is empowered in your life, it's either the Holy Spirit or the demonic spirit, whether you like it or not. But you can't have both. In other words, you can't say I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit and you never read his word and you never fellowship in him. And you, know, you can't do that. You're led by the spirit of the world, which is the spirit of Antichrist. It's an opposite spirit. You know, it's funny, like, talking to someone once they said oh, i'll go to a tarot card lady and they talk to angels and i said but why would you talk to the creation because i can talk straight to the creator oh but you don't understand what they've told me because yeah the bible forbids you to do that because you're picking up familiar spirits and the bible says yeah they can tell you some truth or tell you things to come but when you've gone there you open yourself up to a familiar spirit which soul lost the kingdom over god hasn't changed his mind no no the holy spirit does not go outside of jesus can someone say amen? The Holy Spirit will only glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit will only edify you in Jesus. And the glory, Holy Spirit will bring the glory of God in you through Jesus. 
Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story here. Actually, let's go back one. And I love this statement. There's seasons in God. Who knows there's seasons in God? There's seasons in our life. He just said there's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry, there's time to dance, there's a time to mourn. But there's spiritual seasons where I think God sovereignly moves at a certain time, no matter what we think. God's waiting for his church to rise up. The Bible says, if, if God's not waiting for his church to rise up, then why does he say judgment starts in the house of God first? We want to judge the world, but if, if Jesus was to walk into your house today and look at you, are you, not, are you free from guilt? Now, we're saved and under the blood, but are we free? That's what the Holy Spirit's doing every day. If this great Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, why are we looking out? Why don't we look in? And there's a story in, in the 1900s. And it's funny, in the, see, the turn of the century in the 1900s, in 1904, there's a man by the name of Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts was a pastor in Wales. And if you don't heard, who's ever heard of the Walsh Revival? In Wales, in this particular town, it was a mining town. And the Holy Spirit, he was a man of God who, who fasted and prayed for his city. And then the Holy Spirit moved on the town to the point where they shut all the pubs down. Here it is. They shut all the pubs down. Sorry to you guys that like going to pubs, but no one here likes to go to pubs. They shut all the pubs down. They turned them into churches. And the miners who had the foulest mouths, if, if you've been around the locker room a bit, you know, I have. And the donkeys and the mules that would carry everything, we're talking in the 1900s, they didn't have, the donkeys would not, no longer walk because no one, everyone stopped swearing. So he used to talk to the donkey, come on you, you know what, and let's move. And that's how the donkey understood like. So when they stopped swearing, the donkeys didn't move. They couldn't understand them anymore. True story. And revival broke out in Wales. And look what he said. If the church, meaning the ecclesia, us, would bend, the world would bow. If the church, us, are right before God. Now, we're right in the sense that the blood covers us. But are we right? Because if God's not moving in your life, you have to look at yourself, not God and not the world and not the devil. He says, he, if... Meaning, and I'll abbreviate it, if the church, the called out ones, the believers, the ones that call on the name of Jesus, are still bowed need, which in repentance, guess what? The world will bow into his lordship. God, the world is going crazy out there because of the church, because we're asleep. And here, he says here, I love it. If, if the church would bend its knee, the world would bow its head. I love that story. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. I want to tell a story. Tonight I want to talk to you. It's, it's getting better, I promise. The four R's. The four R's. And we're going to touch on them. That Peter was speaking to the Jewish people after Jesus rose and went to heaven. We read last week on Acts chapter 2 where he, Peter, St. Peter got up and prophesied that the Holy Spirit in the book of Joel prophesied that God would send his spirit on men and women and maid servants and men servants, meaning the lower of the low, the, the, the slaves, the, the housekeepers. It wasn't meant just for someone high. It was for everybody to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we shared how Joel prophesied it and then Peter brings it up in Acts 2. Then he preaches to the Jews all religious Jews from all around the world coming to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. 
and the boy, he, he just preaches a sermon and they will cut the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? If we can get to that place where just your life will convict someone else to bring to come to Christ. You don't have to try and work it out and explain the genealogy and try you just your lifestyle and the Holy Spirit walks with you, brings conviction. Smith Wigglesworth would ride on a train and just mind his own business and all of a sudden people repent because your me presence convicts me of my sin. Wow. And here in Acts 2, then he says, then he preaches the gospel, says this Jesus that you crucified, that God had raised from the dead. And he goes, what wants he do? He goes, call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. He goes, repent, repent for the remission of sin and be baptized. And the Bible says 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people came to know Christ, religious Jews from all around the world. And I often think, wow. And the Bible says it names the countries they were from. I just wonder. We don't know this. I've never studied it out. I just wonder every person that got, that got saved, there's Jews, there's Jews from all around the world that came to celebrate a feast in Jerusalem, went back to their countries and, and shared what happened that day at Pentecost. I just wonder what happened, what fire God lit in those countries. And then I was reading this story, and, I, and we'll get into it. And today, if you're writing a message down, the four R's. I'm going to read the story and we'll talk about the four R's. So Acts 3, 19. And it talks about 17, sorry, wasn't it? Yeah. And before this, who remembers the story about the man that's uh, lame on the gate and uh, the apostle Peter and the apostle John came and he goes, can I have some money? He was a beggar because he was lame from birth. Peter says, it's pretty common, you know this? Gold and silver I do not have, but what I do have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Remember that story. And then he got up, walked, his ankles, apparently the, his body got into strength, and he's rejoicing through the marketplace in Jerusalem. And everyone knows he's a, he's a cripple. Everyone knows he was born a cripple because they used to pick him up and put him there every day. Gate beautiful in Jerusalem was the entry to the marketplace. That's where people did deals and, and walked in to go to the synagogue and do all their stuff. So that was, the, that was the main drag. First Street, Parramatta, basically, you know, where everyone goes. Before Westfield, next to Peter Wynn. Up the road from City Extra. My mom and papa's now. And he got healed. Now everyone, but guess what? Who knows when God starts to move, the religious people get very upset. And now they got upset, and now Peter's addressing them. And look what he says to these Jewish people. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, talking about crucifying Jesus, right? But those... Things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent. Everyone say repent. Therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Next verse. Yeah. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. Now, wait, stop there. He just said the prophets have spoken about this Messiah who would suffer. And Jesus fulfilled that. Talking to Jews who understood the prophets of old. He says, this Jesus Christ was preached to you. You heard him about him. You've seen him. Because he talks about that later. It says, preached to you 
before. Next verse. Whom heaven must receive. Listen to that. Heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from the brethren. Him you shall hear him, all things, whatever he says to do. And it shall be that every soul who will not, be, not hear the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. That's it. Let's go break this down a bit. Can we go back to verse 19, please? This is talking, this is Peter talking to the Jews and he's talking to them about the gospel and the purpose of why Jesus come and what's going to happen. And it's interesting, he says Jesus had to be received, but he's coming back. In other words, he's talking about, because this Jesus Christ, you, you, he's been preached to you before, but he's coming back. But Jesus had just left. He's just gone back to heaven. But the first thing I want to look at is the first R. Everyone write this down, say repent. He says, first repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So that the times of refreshing. The second one is refreshing. The first one is repentance. The second one is refreshing. And then it talks about, uh, and that he that may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. He may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. But he already had sent Jesus Christ. So what's he talking about here? Then he goes on to say in verse 21, in whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. The third R is restoration. Now, it doesn't say the fourth R, but the fourth R is his return. In other words, we must come to repentance as a person, one-on-one, -on -one, and as a body to bring refresh, to refreshing to our soul so he can start restoring us to the place where all things come into restoration so he can come back. Can someone say amen? In other words, we want the gifts of the Spirit. Rab shared on this couple of weeks ago. We want the manifestation. I want all that and I've experienced all that. But until we're ready to receive him, all we're walking in is his authority, like the delegated authority. We've got gifts. We lay hands. We do all that. But where is the heart for him and his kingdom? Where is his heart where his church is the light and the salt of the earth? He says he's repent. Now, I want to share this with you, what repentance really means. Now, I know that when you hear the word repentance, some people believe is repentance means I'm sorry. Yeah, that's part of it, but that's not repentance. Repentance in the Greek, the word is, is a metanoia, which means to change your mind or to change your perspective. I, I've got this, this, this is very interesting. In the, in, the, in the New Testament, it was written in Greek. So we know that they got certain words for certain meanings, just like love. I love my wife a lot. Brownie points. <laughs> I love my son. I like John Daniel. No, I love John Daniel. <laughs> I love Rebs. But every one of them is the same word, but you in the, in the context, you know that my love for my wife is a intimate love. My love for my son, love for my brother Rabs is a... And that's how basically when, when Jesus spoke to Peter and said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. He used different types of words for love. Because in the Greek, just like in Arabic, you've got a word for your auntie on your mum's side and auntie on your dad's side. and There's different words. Same with here. But here the word repentance 
is um, metanoia. It, it says, oh, let me read this to you. I thought it was interesting. It bears the concept of shift or change as the word metaphor, meta, metamorphosis. You know, a caterpillar that goes into its cocoon. It goes into a metamorphosis. It changes and it becomes a butterfly. Well, repentance is like, because the, the, meta, the metanoia translates the mind. Change your mind. Because the Greeks had a concept of the very intellectual. Remember when the, the, the disciples said, Lord, the Greeks are here, don't I talk to you? And he just brushed them. Because they were into intellect. And they were into mysticism. And the Jews were into religion. And if you have a look at this, to repent is to change your mind. But in the Hebrew, look what it says in the Hebrew. Repentance in the Hebrew is, te, who knows, Tia Shoavah. Teshovah, which means it's, it can deal with guilt or, or regret, but it re, de, derives from the word return. In other words, in the Greek, it means I've got to change my mind. I repent. I'm sorry for what I've done, and I change my mind. I believe this way. I need to believe that way. That's why John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God. You're, you're believing that the kingdom's here, but it's not. It's over here. Repent. In the, in the Hebrew, it means uh, in, in the Greek, it means to change your mind. But in the Hebrew, it means to do an action, to turn around. You know, the word repent is a military word too. Have you ever seen their soldiers marching? No? Left, left, right. You know, they're left. They, go, they say, stop, about face, turn. That's repentance. In other words, in the kingdom of God, it's a military term. See, you're all in the kingdom. You know Jesus as Lord here. But now you're in his army. You're in his family. Now you're in his army. And sometimes you're going the wrong way and he needs you to stop about face forward march. Why? We're going the wrong way. We've gone ahead of him. Remember I said the Holy Spirit leads you. You don't lead him. So in the, in the Greek, it means to change your mind. And in the, remember the prodigal son? How he left it ended up in pig swallow. As a Jew, you can't get any lower than that. Not only have you rejected your father, you've blown all his inheritance. Now you're in a foreign land, so now you're, now you're having fellowship with the non-believer. Now, pigs, he's feeding pigs to a Jew. Don't even touch it. It's unclean. Now, he's that hungry, he wants to eat the pig food. You've hit rock bottom as a Jew. And he says to himself, I have sinned against my father and my God. Repentance is mine. Greek thinking. Then he says, I'll return back to my father. Repentance in the Hebrew. In other words, there's a change of mind. In other words, I give my life to Jesus. I've changed my mind. But if I don't start walking towards him, see, a lot of people think, I've got a lot of rubbish in my life. I've got a lot of issues in my life. When I get right, I'll come to Jesus. You can't get right unless you come to Jesus. That's like saying, I'm dirty. Let me have a bath to have a shower. No, no, you go in the shower. Like, are you serious? If you're a Lebanese lady and you've got a cleaner, you clean the house before the cleaner comes. Why get the cleaner? The whole point of the cleaner is to clean your house. Quickly, quickly. The Lord's going to cut the grass. Let's cut the grass. He's cutting the grass. But to repent is to change and to be led by His Spirit. Come on. Does that make sense? And I, it was interesting. Look what I found out. That meta, the word meta on its own, means... I don't like this. Now, I heard that Facebook, I'm not on Facebook anymore because I don't want to be. Meta means in Hebrew, who knows what it means in Hebrew, just the word meta. It's a female 
feminine way of saying dead. Meta means death in Hebrew. In other words, my true repentance is to die to self. Come on, somebody. Oh, I'm not just repenting of that one sin and I'll live my life. No, if I truly repent, I die to myself. And guess what? I live for him. That's true repentance. Not saying the sinner's prayer and saying you're saved. Sorry, that's not. And I've said the sinner's prayer and I'm not against that. But what I'm trying to say is true meta, metanoia is to change your mind, to die to self and to follow him. And it says here in, 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 in verse 19, repent. Then he says here, for the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You know, some of us have got issues in our life and we think it's the devil and that, and it is. But you know what? If we come into a place of I'm dying to myself and I'm repenting and I'm coming towards him, guess what? Your problems are gone. If you're not refreshed in your soul, because here there's a process. He says, repent. So at times of the presence of the Lord can refresh you. Who remembers when they got saved and you gave your life to Jesus and there was this unbelievable love affair with Jesus? I remember it. I remember it was like yesterday. But you know who knows that that falls off a little bit because of the cares of the world and what's really in your heart starts to get exposed. Here he says, repent so you can get refreshed so I can restore all things. Come on. God is all about restoration. He wants to restore you back to your rightful place as a son and a daughter, and then to operate in the kingdom of God, and he's leading you. You're not leading him. He's telling this, Peter, to Jews who think they got the kingdom. And he says, the Holy Spirit, if you want to look at it in a bigger form, if you want to bring this down to the second coming of Christ, because he's coming back. If you don't believe that, you better start believing he's coming back. And he's preparing us for his coming. But if you want to look at it, narrow it down to, say, this body of Christ here, or let's narrow it down again to your home home. Let's narrow it down to your own self. See, the minute I got saved, it wasn't about me. Even though I wanted things, I wanted God to use me. But guess what? I knew there was a bigger picture. I knew that there's a kingdom out there. When the Lord spoke to me about my heart, about getting the lost, especially young men, young men that are lost and young and fathers and that, and I just... What God did in my life, guess what? I said, he asked me, he goes, would you go and get him? I said, I will, Lord. And I have, I've never stopped trying to chase his boys, his men, his women since that day. Because it's not about me. But is there times that I'm going through stuff? Yeah. Is there times that I've got sickness in my body and I'm praying for other people, they're getting healed and I'm still sick? Yeah. But it's not about me. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. Because if I've got Jesus, I've got everything. Can someone say amen? And Peter is speaking directly to these Jews. And I was finding it very interesting. Here is, well, let's go back. Repentance means, now we've got a better idea of repentance. It means to change your mind, turn around, and head back and die. That prodigal son, what did he do? Did he come back and, you know what he said to his father? In a Jewish culture, if you dishonor your father like that, you know what they do? They rip their cloak and you're no longer their son. And if you're lucky or blessed, he'll make you a servant because he knew the law. He knew that he dishonored his father. So what he did, he goes, Lord, uh, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. So just make me a servant. He says, what? 
He says, quick, you, go get the fatted calf and kill it. Here, put a robe on him. He didn't clean him up. He didn't say, you smell like pig and pig swallow and mud. And No, he didn't say, go inside, have a shower and respect. You know what he did? He dressed him with a robe straight away. You know what it speaks of? Jesus covers your sin. No one else can cover it. He put a ring on his finger. It means ownership, means sonship, means authority. Put sandals on his feet. Slaves in those days, servants didn't wear shoes. He put shoes on his feet. Killed the fatted calf, speaks of blood sacrifice. And he goes, let's go and eat and let's have a rejoice. The wedding supper of the Lamb. So what did he do? The son came to repentance. God refreshed his soul by saying, son, you're my son. Then he says, come, let me restore you back to your rightful place and return home and sit under the king's chair. Who got upset? The older brother. Why? The older brother says, I'm not like him, hanging out with girls and drugs and sex drugs and rock and roll. And I work all day. I never break your laws. He goes, but hang on, your brother was lost. And now he's found. He was dead. But now he's alive. It's good that we celebrate. He goes, you don't even give me a goat. But in the beginning of that story, he says, when the younger son said, give me my inheritance, what did the father do? He already split the inheritance between the, all the boys. He says, he split the inheritance between his brothers. In other words, the older son was trying to prove his love for God. He's going to church every Sunday. He's doing all the right things. He's, he's got the law, and I'm trying to keep the law. I'm going to be good at that. And then all of a sudden, he's saying, look what I'm doing for you. But the father says to him, but son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But it, why are you so upset that your brother came home? Did you want him to die out there? That's a Pharisee spirit. That's a religious spirit. That's you owe me God's spirit. And you know what God's saying? I owe you nothing. The father actually said to him, you're in my house every day and everything I have is yours. But he didn't know it. Why? He was trying to earn it instead of just receiving it as an inheritance. And God's trying to restore us back to our true inheritance, re repentance, to die to ourselves, to turn around and to follow him no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. So he can refresh my soul. If, you, if you're not refreshed this year, Christmas is coming, and yeah, praise God, we holiday. But guess what? This is the most disastrous time for believers that aren't secure in him because they go wandering. They come back a wreck. Me and Rabs have seen it for 10 years. Well, I've seen it for 20 years. Seen it for not just, they come back a wreck. It's like you have to rebuild them all over again. But you know what? If you understand who you are as a son and as a daughter in the kingdom of God, you don't need to go down that road. You know what you need to do? Say, I am free. I'm walking according to his will. So I can get refreshed in my soul. So he can restore my rightful place. So I can return to my rightful position. How good is that? I'm excited. I don't care about what you think, but I'm excited. <laughs> the Holy Spirit manifests the kingdom of God. The Bible says the, the, the kingdom of God is not about food and drink. It's not about what you have or don't have or what you eat or don't eat. It's about righteousness, peace. Joy in the Holy Spirit. What's more valuable to God? In your opinion, what's the most valuable thing now on the earth for God? People. See, the tabernacle of Moses, when they, God made Moses make the tabernacle, it was in the middle of the desert and it was in a tent and like, what was so special? there was nothing special about it. But inside where his presence in the tabernacle, it was handcrafted, it looked beautiful. And that's a picture of us outside. We want to make, remember he said to the Pharisees, you look great on the outside. <laughs> you dress nice and you, 
say the longest prayers and you drive the best cars and you sit at the table of the feast. And, but inside, Jesus said, you're full of dead man's bones. But outside that tent where Moses made that tabernacle, it was just a simple sheet in the middle of the desert. But then he goes, you know what? But my, my, my heart is to build the temple. So he built Solomon's temple. It, they reckon to this day, no one can build it. Do you know that we paint our walls with paint? They painted his walls with silver and gold. When the temple comes crushing down, because it didn't last that long, guess what? It took them 400 years to pillage the, the, the wealth in that temple. 400 years. Like every generation, there was that much. There was, I reckon when you, the walls were, weren't just a wall, like, you know, brick veneer, you know, two double brick, or cavities. And then when they broke it down, there was gold and silver inside the walls. It was like the mortar of the bricks were gold. 400 years they reckon the wealth of the world was in that thing. And what did Jesus say? That Remember a couple weeks ago we asked about the widow? He goes, look at how beautiful Solomon is. He goes, not one stone will be left unturned. Because he's not interested in buildings. Not interested in your organization. Not interested in what you can do for him. You know he's interested? People's hearts. Because we are his workmanship. Created for good works. He wants a dwelling place. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are his kingdom. But where there's a king, there's got to be a kingdom, there's got to be a Lord. See, we, we love Jesus as Savior, but we don't like him as Lord. But now God's starting to push us now because, you know, we're coming at a time that there's a lot of kingdoms rising up. But his is the ultimate kingdom. Gold and silver, you know what Peter said? Gold and silver I do not have. I love this revelation. Gold and silver I do not have. Gold represents divinity. If you look at the Bible, the Ark of the Covenant was, was made out of wood and dressed with gold. Gold represents divinity. It doesn't rust, no moth can eat it. It's divine. Silver represents redemption. He says, gold and silver I don't have. In other words, I'm not divine and I have nothing in me. To, but the one who is divine and who has redemption, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And in that divinity and in that salvation, the sozo, the healing, you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. How good is that? He wasn't just talking about money. He's talking about, I don't have, because here it says, verse, did I give you the other verse? Okay, which one? Becky, where'd you go? Acts 4. God didn't even write it down. Look at this. So they heal this man. They tell him about repentance and the whole thing. All right? Before this, he actually says, when the man got healed, sorry, they're running around, he's skipping, singing, hallelujah, I got healed. And everyone's looking, everyone, the crowd came to him. That's why they started, he started talking to him. The crowd came to him. He says, why do you look to us like we've got some sort of godliness or some, some power? This is Jesus of Nazareth. Gold and silver I do not have. This is Jesus of Nazareth. He's got the gold and silver. Yeah? Are you with me? Now, chapter 4 which I love this bit. Let's read it and we'll work it out because I'm not sure where I'm going. And now, as they spoke to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught that the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You know why they're called Sadducees? Because they don't believe in the resurrection. They're very sad, you see. Yeah, that's a joke. And they laid their hands on them to put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5, 
thousand. I knew about the three thousand. I'm sure I read this, but when it hit me today, you know what the miracle did? It didn't build their ministry. It didn't get people coming under, I'll teach you how to heal. You know what it did? It got them to preach the gospel. Because the Bible says miracles are the signs of the unbeliever. When that guy got healed, it wasn't about their ministry. Look what we can do, come to me. You know what it was about? It was about the gospel. Because you know what happened? 5,000 people came to the Lord now. They're about to get arrested. And people got saved. Because he came. Repentance. Refreshing. Restoration. Then return. Does that make sense to anyone? And maybe some of us need to repent. Now, we always get the word repent from a place of sin. I've got to repent. That is true, but I've repented. I've come into Christ. The Bible says, whoever confesses his sin, he's faithful and just to forgive all his sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In John, 1 John. I'm talking about here, repentance is, you may not be living like the devil, but you might be doing things your way. You need to come and change your mind. Say, Lord, where do you want me to go? Does that make sense? Sometimes the refreshing is not coming into your world because you're doing things in your strength, in your way, out of accountability, out of order, out of going before God. You know the Ark of the Covenant, I was sharing this today, there's an awesome revelation. The Ark of the Covenant, when they went to war, the Ark always went first. You know, you know, if I was to protect a little child, he'd be in the middle of us. Our parents would hold you know, a child and walk across the road. We'd be protecting the child, but in the kingdom of God, the ark goes before you. His presence goes before you. He's going to fight the battle for you. We just have to follow him. But when, when they went when they went to fight a war and they put the ark behind them, thought, you know what? They got beaten. Why? They put God in the back. But no, no, no. We follow God's presence. God doesn't follow us. And when we come to this place of repentance, come to this place of refreshing, can I say something to you? Can I really honestly? Go search your heart. If you can search your heart, because the quickest prayer he will answer is the prayer about yourself. You want a prayer answered? Lord, why am I going like this? And he will tell you. Remember I said last week, a guy was, this is Gary Carpenter's story, and I love this man. He said, when they used to come to this church, I want to hear from God. I want to work in the spirit. I want to hear from God. I want all this. He goes, okay, sit there and pray. What do you mean? <laughs> sit there and pray. It's what we do. We fast, we pray, we read the word, we fellowship. We, you know, all the. He goes, oh, next week, how'd you go? I still can't hear God. Sit down, fast and pray. After six months, he goes, I've got a bigger problem now. He goes, why? I couldn't hear God before. Now I can hear him and I don't like what he's saying. Because <laughs> we want God to tell us what we want to hear. And God says, all right, now it's time to get rid of this, get rid of this, change your heart, repent, forgive, do this, that. So now the bigger problem was, I heard from God and I don't like it. Isn't that so true? I've been there. I, oh, you haven't, but I've been there. I know my brother Rebs has been there. But isn't it true that we want God in our image. That's the biggest idolatry, making God in our image. Don't worry about a statue, making God in our image. God's going to do what I want him to do, and God won't do that because, you know, that's what I don't believe that, but what does the Bible say? If you have the Holy Spirit, guess what he says? I won't leave you as an orphan. He'll only, the Holy Spirit will only speak what he hears from the throne, the Bible says. And that's a promise from Jesus. So what do you, what do you reckon? We really have to look in the mirror and have a look and see what is wrong with me. And I'm not saying go and search for things in your life. I'm just saying it could be something so simple. You look in the mirror and say, Lord, I'm, I hear people all the time say to me, I don't believe in God. You don't know the life I've lived. But they tell me the life they lived, I go, and that's God's fault. Oh, I'm sorry that you've been through that. One guy was trying to tell me 
Oh, you don't know what happened to me as a kid. Happened to me. You don't know what happened to my parents. That happened to me. And by the end, he had no more excuses because everything that happened to him happened to me. I go, but why am I standing full of joy and happiness and you're still miserable and blaming God for everything? I shoot the messenger. It's not God's fault that you disobey him. But coming into this Christmas season, we know that the Emmanuel, God be with us. We're going to celebrate baby Jesus in the little nativity. But he's no more baby Jesus as much as no more Jesus on a cross. He is the risen king sitting on the throne up high. And Jesus is saying to you that Emmanuel, God be with you, is now the God within you because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not still searching for that. He's in you. And any decision you make is up to you to decide to believe or not to believe. Because he's a good God. And I, as the older I get, and maybe because of time and well, I've been around a bit and don't know everything, trust me, but the more I, you know, something happens to me or something, something an attack comes or I fall, nothing in me wants to point my finger at God. Everything in me wants to run to him because I know even in the darkest places I'm in, I can run to him because of his mercy and grace. He says, go into the, enter the throne room of grace because you're good, because you kept the law, because you read your Bible, because you gave money. No, he goes, go into the throne of grace because of the, because of what? Because of what? How come the only two years, you know what? You, you know what? For that, you get a prize. You can clean up the hall after that. You can serve them. I'm joking. <laughs> we enter the throne of grace. Why? Boldly. Boldly means with confidence and assurance with that godly So, because why? Because of me? No, because of the blood of Jesus that he sprinkled. And because of the blood of Jesus, it's the entry into God's throne where you would drop dead in the Old Testament. And now I can stand there and get mercy and grace in a time of need. Whatever you want is through the blood. Whatever you want is through the blood. But listen to me. It's time to come into that place of repentance. So we can look at his holiness and become holy. We can look at his love and become loved. Look at his righteousness and say, I am righteous. Look at his is Jesus sick in heaven? I'm healed. You can say, I say, I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. For all the guys that said daughter, repent. <laughs> the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Resisting means go away. It means, devil, whatever you say and do, I will not accept because my faith is in the finished work of the cross. My faith is in Jesus. I'm mean, any man being Christ is a new creation. Someone needed to hear that. And finally, the Holy Spirit, and I said this on Wednesday and I say it again, does not glory in himself. He only glories in what Jesus has done. If you glory in any other name but Jesus, you're, you're missing the point, you're off track, and you need to repent. You need to come back to the truth of Jesus. Because this is a good thing here. He says, look at this. We've got this idea that we receive Jesus. And, we, and then he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, come. I'm walking. And he's walking for me. <laughs> the Bible says he is the spirit of truth. And he guides me into all truth. Who's guiding whom? Who's guiding who? Come on, speak to me. Who's guiding who? 
The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth and He guides us into all truth. That's a great place to say amen. Let's stand. I love you guys. I don't want you to ever forget Peter was talking to Jews and he's speaking directly to them as a, as, as a people. But God's speaking to us in this time and hour. Because no matter what happens to you, if you are restored, renewed, refreshed, no matter what the devil throws at you, you can stand. Is it easy? Sometimes it's not. But it's worth it. See, I said this before, I said it again. I don't have it all worked out, but I know I have one thing worked out, that Jesus is my Lord and I'm his son. My sonship can never be taken off me. I don't care you go from the pit of hell. I don't care tomorrow, last night you're in the pit of hell. Come back and stand in his presence. You know what? Just change your mind. Meta, meta was it? Die. Just die to yourself. Die to what your opinion is. Die to the fear. Die to the circumstance. Die to the facts. Go, die to, and live for him. See, in order for Christ to live in me, I have to die. Because while I still live, guess who's in control? Me. Pride. I'm looking for a way out. Someone please help me. And Jesus is saying, but I did. I did. Emmanuel, he is with us. He's also within you, the great Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, he came in, in the fullness and baptized us. Over, he overshadowed the church, the 120 in the upper room. Stop seeing Jesus as this, uh, this, this. You're making the problem bigger than Jesus, but you should be telling the problem about Jesus. I learned that 10 years ago, maybe more. When my problem comes, I say, problem, let me tell you about Jesus. And it, does it hit you for six? Do problems, they do. Don't misunderstand, we're not walking around on, we're not walking around on water. But I do know enough to know that my knee is always bowed to him. And while you remain bowed, and I'll tell you this quick story. Norm McLeod, a man of God, prophet of God, he, um, from Gisborne, we we're just talking to our brother here from New Zealand, uh, from Gisborne. And God sent him to a Gisborne, which is a coastal town down south, north. I don't know New Zealand that well. I've been to Bondi, but that's about it. Yeah. And he was talking about how God sent him to a place he never knew, but he was obedient. He went, started a church, and went bang, 500 people in the first year. And it was absolute disaster. And then it crumbled, and God says, now you put this bloke in leadership and that bloke. No one was ready, and then God started to build from the ground up. Anyway, this man, this is the real deal, man. He's a man of God. He's gone. He goes to India and Bangladesh and there's, because they don't worry about New Zealand. Go to there, mate. God's moving mightily. But one of the things that was happening there, they were restoring. They, they started to see that their church and there was the mongrel mob and, and all that, their biker gang, the ones with all tattered up. And, the, and they're destroying the area. And then slowly God says, walk around and pray and knock on doors and, and just preach the, the kingdom and bring repentance. And he did. And slowly around their little church, just say, this is Maryland. You couldn't go to Granville. You couldn't go to South Winnie. You couldn't go to... Fairfield because it was so bad, but slowly God's anointing was spread, and then people started coming to church, and God started to maneuver around the city, and so now their little church has enveloped and 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 overshadowed the whole area now. And one day in prayer, he's bowing. 
praying to God. I'll never forget this story. And he saw a vision. And in the vision, he was on a footy field. And on the footy field, he saw himself bowing. But he saw this, this ugliest bird you've ever seen. It was bigger than him. And it had an ugly beak. It had wings. And it was sitting on the goalpost of a football field. And he looked at that. And all of a sudden, he bowed his knee before the Lord. And that bird came and he just looked across and this bird's got its arm like that and it's bowing before the Lord, though, in front of the Lord. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Rebs. And he said in the dream, what is this? And the Lord spoke to him. He goes, while you remain bowed to me, that principality remains bowed. When you take your eyes off me, he gets released. It's so important that we're obedient. And he said to me, that thing was the ugliest, biggest thing I've ever seen. And he goes, but what was the goalpost to me? He goes, because he's trying to stop you from converting a goal. In other words, the goal is to win the city. And he's standing in your way. But as long as you bow out and he, you're humble before me and your knee is bowed before me, before him. And he, when he looked, he couldn't believe that principality was bowed. See, it wasn't about him bringing down that principality. It was about his life in Christ that had that thing bowed. Some of, us, some of us need to know that lesson. While we stay humble before the Lord and bow before Him, a lot of your problems will go away. Never forget, it just hit me in my spirit. I never even planned to say that. Because you know what? While we remain, what's the Bible say? God resists the proud and gives grace, unmerited favor, empowering favor to the humble. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, and you've never bowed before him. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. I can tell you, yeah, he'll save your soul and bring you to heaven and give you all the blessing. I can tell you all that. But ultimately, your life is a mess and you're on your way to hell. And if without him, you can do nothing. Because you know what? I've been there. I've tried it all. It doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy. But with him, it satisfies. With him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Come on. I can do. You can, everyone say, I can do all things, all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I'm done. Amen. Next week, did you did I jump on before you did the announcements? <laughs> it just I just realized. Okay, now next week, guys, the kids are doing we're having a Christmas party here. We're having a feed after the service here. It's on Sunday, the 18th, normal time. Um, that'll be our last service until after the new year. So everyone's welcome, bring friends, do whatever. Just if you don't mind, do we need the RSVP or we just we have enough food here? Let us know if you're coming or let someone know you're coming so we can pr uh, prep food for you guys. Um, we want to thank you on behalf of me and Rabs for, for, for allowing us to speak into your life and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And you know what? The best is yet to come. We're ready to take this city. And he wants us to understand how much he loves us because this, this is just the beginning. Amen? And, you know, we love you guys to come next week. More than welcome. Bring your kids. Um, come, come, Dorian, because I've lost the plot. Yep. 
Okay, so uh, people have asked us, so if you can, Rita and the girls will co coordinate, you can bring a plate if someone could bring something. Um, you know, I'd like Zlodosit, Knefi, Aljanda, and maybe uh, kebab with no chili. You can all bring that for yourselves, obviously. No, no, if you can bring a plate, it makes our life easier. We'll have food as well, but so no one misses out. So it's something small, you know, like 45 kilos of uh, chicken, all right? Um, my wife will make the knefi. And we still got Wednesday, guys. So, yeah, so Wednesday and then Sunday will be our last service. Are we on the following Wednesday or we're we not? No, that's it. Be blessed. Sorry I mucked that all up. So just come Wednesday. If you don't, bring a note. Um, and then a medical certificate. If you don't come, uh, you can go home. They've shot me off. <laughs> now, I love you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you Wednesday, if not Sunday. Be blessed.